Hey guys, it's Dave Chang here, host of The Dave Chang Show. You might hear me on with Chris Yang, Noel Cornelio, and a host of other guests. We've been on air for quite some time now, and it's changed over the years. But one of the things we always try to talk about is what's delicious, how to be a better eater. And you might hear me rambling incoherently, contradicting myself every five minutes. We talk about some sports and culture and all kinds of other things, too. I think we're the the most expert opinions you'll ever hear about anything. Check us out if you haven't before on the Ringer Podcast Network. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. It's real cash that never expires or loses value. Apply for Apple Card in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Daily cash is available via Apple Cash Card issued by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, or as a statement credit. Terms and more at applecard.com. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Hello and welcome to the Ringer Prestige TV podcast. I'm Chris Ryan. I'm joined by Bill Simmons and Wozni Lambre, and we are here to talk about Winning Time, a show that plays with facts and fiction. And, you know, people have had some issues with various storylines and characters on this show, guys. You know, earlier in the season, a lot of people <laughs> shedding a tear for the depiction of Jerry West. Hmm. And the I think sainted you, Jerry West. Yeah, the three of us <laughs> had a Jerry West. pretty healthy relationship to it. We're just like, you know what? Let we gotta let the creators create. We gotta let people tell the story they're needing to take. But I can't tell you how excited I am to hear one man's opinion about the depiction <laughs> of the greater Boston fan base that I have to hear. Bill Simmons, who's freshly returned from a trip to his homeland. Yeah. Where I watch people scream "fuck you" at Kyrie Irving <laughs> yeah, for three hours. I, know. I just like art imitates life. <laughs> yeah. I, that, before we get to the Boston fans, just the factual stuff in the show. Yeah, this was a tough one. I don't understand it. I don't understand what the end game is because it's, this isn't like I don't know. We crashed where they could just make up whatever, and I would have no idea. In sports, we have box scores, we have stats. <laughs> We have magazine yeah. articles. We have all of these different ways to just look up basic stuff. Like, did Spencer Haywood play or not? Yeah. Did did the Lakers go on a road trip swoon or not? And when they just start making up stuff, you know, I sent you guys that they, they made it seem like they lost the Detroit game and they were on this losing streak heading into the Boston. And there's just, it's just not what happened. And those road trip games were January. And then the, you know, the big thing for me is just that Boston game that they show and it ends with like a alley-oop at the end. And then in real life, if you go watch it, Norm Nixon's the one who has Two the ball. Two free throws. Yeah. And he gets fouled with three seconds left. And to me, it's like, that's a big deal that Norm Nixon had the ball because they're making it seem like this is Magic Johnson's team. But in the end of a game in Boston, 98-98, Norm Nixon's the one with the ball and he was the one deciding what would happen. That's way more interesting to me than the Hollywood version of what they, you know, they what story that... I, to me, I thought this was the most broken episode they had was. 
You know, you guys got me down the road of thinking about the facts and the fictions. Like, I, I, I read Jack McKinney's obituary in the New York Times today, and the team went 60 and 62. I was like, wait a second. This, is, this season didn't have any... That was definitely an obstacle, right? Your yeah. head coach getting freaking severely injured in a bicycle accident. Like, that's a big blow to your season. But outside of that, a 60 and 62 season in every 60 and 22, you mean? 60 and, sorry, in 22 season is a fantastic, extremely successful season under any circumstance or context. So it's like, it's kind of funny that they're shoehorning in um, some of this, you know, fake drama. But I I had some, I I want to hear Bill get more into some of the season stuff, but I have some of my own... Like, I really hope this is true or else it's, like, pretty fucked up. The problem for me is, like, if they're going to make stuff up at this part of the season, what happens when we get to the playoffs? What happens right. when we get to Magic's final game when Kareem gets hurt? Is Magic going to have 70 points in the game? <laughs> like, what? Like how far do we go? It's weird what they've adjusted. So, like, you guys, you mentioned the score of the, the Boston the Boston game that was not they they just changed the score by one point weirdly but like it's just like a detail like that that I don't understand I'm going to make the case for why this is happening okay one they're a victim of their own so the the show itself is a victim of the names that are attached to it so you Mm -hmm. get Jason Siegel playing Paul Westhead it's hard to maybe sell Jason Siegel on the idea of playing this guy Mm -hmm. who was actually like not as big of a dork and a head case, I don't think, <laughs> as... I mean, if you read about Paul Wesson... Now, I don't want to get too into like, oh, if you just go read this or read that, because I don't want right. to spoil things for people, but Paul Wesson was a pretty interesting character, a pretty different kind of cat, but not necessarily the way Jason Siegel is portraying him. But you set him up the way you You mean you he do, wasn't where- frantic and, and just discombobulated all the time? There's interviews yeah. with him on YouTube where he seems like a pretty cool cat. He seems like he Riley. Seems like, Riley. He seems like really cool. Yeah. yeah. Like if you see pictures of him with Riley, he's the cool one. You know, and Riley's <laughs> got glasses on and is wearing a tracksuit and seems a little bit awkward. But like, <laughs> I think that there's almost this need to build up these characters to fit the Sally Fields and to fit the Jason mm, Siegels and to you. fit the kind of performances that maybe people want to give. And on the other hand, I think that also there's a certain distrust with whether or not like a mass audience would be able to go along with a show that was like really about the finer details of this situation because that stuff's in the Showtime book. This is this is an adaptation of Jeff Perlman's book, but yeah. it is definitely a dramatization and and a like a real left turn from historical fact when you just you can just watch a lot of this stuff on YouTube and it's pretty fascinating to watch the YouTube. I was watching the bird and magic. I didn't see a pregame press conference like the one that's depicted in this episode, but they do a pregame interview with both guys. There's a guy named Hot Rod who's yeah, working Hot Rod Hudley. Yeah. He was great. Yeah. And he's he, you know, Brett Musburger throws it over to this guy and he they have an interview with Magic. And he's like, Yeah, I, I'm you know, I'm nursing an injury, but I'm gonna go out there and do my best. And I was like, Oh, they didn't really get into Magic's injury in this game. And then when they go to Bird, Bird is like pretty banal, but he's like totally personable and nice. It's not like he's like, fuck you. I don't want to talk to the press <laughs> spitting tobacco juice all over it yourself. It does for for the purposes of TV, though, it makes it seem a little bit more dramatic. I get it. I get why they did it. The bird portrayal is just absurd as somebody who was there the whole time. Like, hey, and you could see it in the interviews from him that year. He was very soft spoken, a little bit withdrawn. But had like a you know a nice demeanor to him. He wasn't like this like, you know he trash talked on the dude. court. 
Right. But that was later. That was that really started in like the 84, 85 range. Um, I get it. They're trying to make these guys different characters. The factual stuff to me is more disturbing. Like I saw Jeff Perlman and Bob Ryan were going at it. Oh, Jeff Perlman's the guy who wrote uh, the book. Bob Ryan was apoplectic <laughs> about this show. He's, and I'm going to have him on my podcast at some point. He just thought it was completely absurd. But the same way if, if you're watching an adaptation of any real life thing and you were there, you would think it was absurd. But Jeff Perlman was saying, like, this is no different than Remember the Titans and 42 yeah. and some of these other yeah. things. I, I get it. I get that logic. To me, it's just an unforced error. Like, there was a yeah. way to make all this stuff factually more authentic Without There's just going completely drama. sideways. Yeah, you There's had enough all this drama. Stuff. There's enough actual factual drama that you didn't really need to do this. But to Chris's point about the actors needing something more to do, yeah, I kind of get meat. it. But, but like for me, <laughs> where it gets problematic is like, did Larry Bird actually chew tobacco? Did, do we know that? Like, did was Larry Bird a dipper? I I, I actually thought he was a smoker. And he's. I think you he know, would. I think he would have a couple cancer sticks yeah. every so often. Oh, that, okay. was, that was always the word on the Bush. street. I don't yeah. know about the tobacco. Yeah, I think he yeah. was so a it's beer like drinker. He, he's spitting chewing tobacco into a can of Budweiser, and like because of the way I think, and you know my understanding that basically like poor white Americans are the last like disenfranchised people we're allowed to make fun of and do stere- sick, bad stereotypes about. Yeah. I was like, yo, this is legitimately fucked up if it's not true. Like, Larry right. Bird is this dirty, nasty hick from Indiana who's chewing tobacco before the games and he's being really mean to his black counterparts. Right. Before. It's like so weird and unnecessary. And like, why do we have to do this? Yeah, and there was also, they played in L.A. before that Boston game. And the Lakers kicked their ass. The bird was really bad. And that was yeah. the game where it was like, Magic and Bird, head-to-head again. Yeah, yeah. They made, for some reason, they skipped on that. The chronology was all off on where the Christmas break, when those when that road trip happened. Look, if they're going to bend the facts, that's fine. But, you know, for people like us that actually care about this stuff, I, I don't understand it. So are they going for, like, my wife, who doesn't care about any of the accuracy and doesn't know any better? Like, who is the audience for this so the show if they're going to bend whether, the facts? The question is whether or not, like, sports storytelling or sport, sports movies, sports TV shows can't help themselves. Like, mm, ultimately, yeah. you have to make the Lakers into the Bad News Bears or you have to make them into the East Dillon team <laughs> or you have yeah. to make them into Hoosiers going into the Big Bad Garden and playing against the ghostly yeah. leprechaun with the rats coming around the floor. Right. Like, ultimately, like, I think that you... And me and Waz and a bunch of people we know would be really in to a highly detailed look at how the Lakers introduced the modern NBA. But that's probably like a very niche product if they make it that way. I think mm. to make it something that, yeah, your wife likes or that like general public likes. Like I, I do the pie with Andy. Andy's not like a Lakers scholar. And Andy's like, that's a pretty good show. That's a very good TV show. <laughs> right. like, and I was like, did you know none of that shit happened? Yeah. And it's like it, it just doesn't matter. By the way, Bill, I wanted to let you know that I'm going to adopt in the Perlman, Bob Ryan back and forth. Jeff Perlman pulled a move that I'm going to start adopting with you, which is to be clear at Globe, Bob Ryan, huge admirer, but eat right. shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to start doing that to you. Like at Bill Simmons, huge admirer, but if you to ever talk clear. about Joel and Pete again, <laughs> it's it reminds me of when Jeff Ross would roast people on those celebrity roasts. 
and he would just destroy the person for seven minutes. And then at the end, it's like, you're a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. And I'm, yes. You've been a huge inspiration. Thank you for everything. And the person's meanwhile has seven bullet wounds in them. Yeah, look, I, I don't know if you can compare this to a Remember the Titans 42 type situation. And by the way, Remember the Titans, what they did with that movie with versus what happened in real life is absurd. And they do the based on the true story. We talked about this when we did the rewatchables about it. The based on the true story gives you all of these liberties to do whatever. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think Jeff Perlman can defend his the reporting of his book, which his book was excellent, and he interviewed yes. yeah. over 300 people, all that stuff. The book is different than the TV show. I think they have to make it more clear. We took this book, and we took some elements we liked, and we made this crazy TV show about it. I think it's a little like when we did the JFK podcast, Chris, and we were like, wow, this, this is just like... yeah." They really like really were on a bender when they were coming up with some of the stuff in this one. And the reason I think this is important is we have three episodes left and I have no idea what they're going to do. Like they made it seem like Spencer Haywood was benched. He played, you can look it up. He was like 20 to 30 minutes a game. And, you know, was there, was there lead forward off the bench? Like Wood Harris is 52 <laughs> yeah, anyway, years old. 52 years old. But there yeah. was... There was, was, there was some interesting stuff that was happening that season that they don't go into in the show at all. Maybe it's too hardcore basketball nerdy, but mm. like there was a real debate and you can read about it in Breaks of the Game about what is magic? Is, right. is What is this guy? He's this six foot nine po uh, point guard. He sh his shot's weird. There was a real debate in the league. Like, what is the upside of this guy? He's a really fun player, but can this guy be an essential blue chip guy on a winning team? And then it turned out he he shut everyone up in the finals. Whereas like Bird, I think, was the more traditional. I get what this guy is. He's a forward. He rebounds. He can shoot. I know what he is. They don't go into that at all. I guess the Kareem piece, They remember the last time we talked about what is this Kareem character? We, can we have a moment where it seems like he's smart? They finally did that. I thought that was the yeah. best scene in the in when he's talking Magic Ma Dad. That scene was Dad. awesome. Yes, it's awesome. Yes, the the I, I I wrote this down. I like the sort of yin and the yang of Kareem and Magic, right? And like both of them understanding what the other actually brings to the table yep. and why it's important. And yeah, that scene with Kareem and Magic's dad was just really, really powerful stuff. And it's it's just crazy that a show this wacky where. Pat Riley is literally hosing down Paul West Westhead right. in, in a freaking shower because he's so manic. But yet that same episode could have this powerful sort of conversation about how you handle, you know, the spotlight as a black person. Like, how angry do you choose to be? I remember, I remember one of the first conversations I had with Chris Ryan. I was telling him that I don't fuck with Will Smith because he's a happy Negro. And literally... <laughs> Kareem is saying that about Magic to his dad. Yeah. yeah. He's like, yo, what's up with him? Why is he always so happy? Like, does he know what it means to be black in America? Like, I just thought that was so such a nuanced conversation that they had, man. Like, they, it was very multi-layered. And that was incredible. And, like, the relationship that Magic and Kareem are building toward is nice. Like, that's, that's beautiful what they're doing with that. Again, when you mention your wife, Bill, um, I think about like every time I see an unnecessary 
love story shoehorned into anything, I blame women for it. I'm like, <laughs> they had to do this for women. Like they, right. they had to, like they had to have women. But in I mind. think it's more that they have to do it for like casuals. They have to do mm. it for people who are like, when I turn on a movie or a TV show, I want one of three things. I want like, I want action. I want romance or I want, you know, whatever, whatever the third thing is. It's like they, there needs to be one of these core human motivating elements that bring people back to a show because a show that's like about the sort of slow transition from Jack McKinney to Paul Westhead to Pat Riley and the slight variations that happen with Showtime and the introduction of a more stout defensive you know backbone that Riley brought to that team is probably not going to be a huge hit you know like you guys are talking about the scene the Christmas dinner scene at yeah. Johnson's family's house in, in Detroit I just want to shout out that Devon Nixon does another great job in that yeah. scene where he's holding court on the sofa and t- starts like goosing these guys up about what Boston's like to play, <laughs> to play in with the, with the, go- the leprechaun and everything. I thought that, yeah, was that was good. Quite good. Yeah. You know, when we talk about like jazzing up certain things versus not playing up other things to me, like cocaine should have been a way bigger character in this show. Like if we were yeah. going to go off the rails with some of the stuff we want to do with the show, I would have, but I would have, yeah, I would have gone less on the Larry Bird is this tobacco spitting, like yeah. whatever, whatever they were trying to do with that Larry Bird thing. And cocaine should have been in every day. Like Hayward in real life, Hayward is going down to yeah. during this yeah. season. Well, I wonder he's just that- positioned as like this angry guy who's not playing, but I, I think it was going it's way worse fun. for him there's, than that. There's, there's, they're sort of, they're subtly doing the Hayward um, drug thing, like, the way he why subtle stands, though nothing else in the show know. is subtle. That's that's that's, that's the, the weird part about it. Like he he gives this glance to the crack vial at that party where it's offered to them, and like you know, if you know the subtext, you're supposed to know. Oh baby, that's that's gonna get bad. But it's very subtly done. He's kind of just the guy offers them. He's like, oh, it's it's uh it's it's uh rocked cocaine and smoking and it's so intense and it's great. And he looks at it and he, like, I don't know. He looked at it like how I be looking at Thanksgiving leftovers. You know right. what I mean? And and it's just subtly done. And it's like, okay, that's that's foreshadowing something crazy that's going to happen. But, yeah, they need to play up the drug angles more, especially because this is a 1970s, go-go, 80s-centric show. Yeah. You know what's so funny, though, is is that we're, we're begrudging them the Spencer Haywood plotline. I'm, I'm getting annoyed about, like, the depiction of Paul Westhead. Very little is really known about Jesse Buss. They've talked about this where they're like the Sally Field is like, there's just yeah. not a lot about Jesse Buss out there. And so like that winds up being one of the best written sort of parts of the show is this guy's relationship to his mom, who's like a really good accountant, teaches him how to play Monopoly, but then she starts getting sick and having strokes because of cancer. And you're like, I don't know. I mean, that that one little element of the fact that you don't you don't have history correcting that record. I find myself very drawn to that storyline for some reason. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, I wonder how many people out there are actually affected by stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know the answer. I, Who I, knows? There's so many, the show's juggling so many characters that it's actually pretty impressive. Yeah. Like, what yeah. do we have at this point? We're seven episodes in. Sally Field, like all these great actors they have all over the place. And that's why I think, I think it's a good sign for the show that we're, upset about certain things yeah. because that means we like the show. You know, yeah, it feels like, definitely, like 
yeah, backseat driving a sports car. It's like this yeah. car is moving really fast and it's yeah. cool, but like what if it did this too, you know? Yeah, I think that's, you know, ultimately it's because we really like the show and I I personally don't think Jeff Perlman should be, you know, complaining when people criticize stuff. I mean, he's a is, producer. Yeah, no, no, but it's like, you know what? You put stuff in the world, people are going to yeah, critique it one exactly. way or the other and that's part so of the true. process. And um, the fact we know what Bill I think is podcasters, is, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. We get it every day. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we get it when you write, when you do whatever. But um, I think for me, I, I thought this was the most frustrating episode probably since the second episode because I thought so they that were on a really of nice the Boston run. element or just in general? No, the Boston element's fine. Like they're they're trying to play up characters. Like that, they, that to me was no different than anything else. The bird thing was bad. Um, I just, I, it didn't ring true at all, but they've done that with five one, or six one, people. One now. thing about the bird thing though, Bill, I was, I was, I've been annoyed by bird's haircut since the first time they debuted the character. But then, but then I watched the interview from that game that Chris sent over and I was like, yeah, they nailed the haircut. They did. They exactly actually nailed the look. to a fucking well, here's the other thing it's that they crazy. did. A, this they did something really cool that I think is a little bit underrated with these game scenes that could be just a complete abomination even ten years ago. But the CGI, it's it looks gardeny enough. Yeah. So that 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 stuff that I thought that was pretty cool no, how they filmed it. It, it was they did, I a, good they did job a good job setting it up on the outside when they arrive at yeah. when, uh, Bus Harmon and West arrive at the at the garden and West is like I'm staying in the car and then they kind of do a couple of shots of the outside of the old garden. I was going to ask you Bill the limo driver yeah. uses the word wicked. Were they saying that in 1980? Oh yeah. They were. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> in 1980, what about 2022? <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, w- wicked know, we, was we, the real word. We've obviously buried the lead on this show and yeah. just the depiction of how Boston people feel about their sports team. I just yeah. want to share with you guys something. Around 2014 or 15, I was in Boston during a, a Patriots playoff game. I think it was a divisional game. Um, and I had never been in Boston for like a big sports thing. And I was I was blown away, Chris. Every single person had a Patriots thing on that day. Everyone. Not there was not one person out of step with this shit. And we watched it at a sports bar, and of course, people were going nuts, and it was the whole thing. I was like, yo, this shit is like it reminded me of like Penn State, like a college town. Like these yeah. motherfuckers oh, yeah. are extremely impassioned. Like, look, like Yankee fans who I hate a lot. Um, they love the Yankees, right? Like people love the Knicks, but it's not. It's just not the There's same. There's more to do in New York. You yeah. go yeah. out, you go see Maybe. Power of the Dog. You do whatever you got to do. <laughs> You're not staying. Like not every single person's life revolves around like the two sports teams. You know, that, it's like, I have no defense. By the way, it's four sports teams. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I went to the game on Sunday night and then Monday, Marathon Monday and the Red Sox game starts at 11. We went to that too. And it's just, it's... It's like you know, that in Philly it's, too. It's like a it's ritual. Just, it's insane when the Eagles and Phillies are hot in Philly. It's just like yeah, you all can you feel see it. is... Yeah. I used to I, write about this in the 2000s when it, back when I used to write stuff about when like the Yankees would come to town for a big September series or something. And it honestly felt like the whole city was going to war that weekend. You would be in the streets at like three 30 on a Friday and everyone's wearing Red Sox shit. It was like, we're all soldiers, but that's, that's what it's like. So that I didn't, I didn't care that they, 
you know, blew that stuff up because they should have. They've done that all over the place with this show. I, I think when, um, I just worry about what, from what we've seen for se- for the first seven episodes, Chris, what, what would be the worst case scenarios for what they might do for the last three episodes? Well, we were talking about this on our last recap pod about how far, whether they're going to end the season with the championship, whether like the next season might jump ahead a few years or not. I think, I think it ends, they move so fast. We're yeah, now in like then, January. So I think we're going to be in the playoffs. For the finals. Yeah. And they obviously set it up with the final bus McKinney conversation where, you know, he throws him the monopoly piece and he's like, I still, you know, like we still got some game left to play or whatever. You know, he's like he, the, the impl- implication being that they're going towards the playoffs and this deadline for McKinney getting better uh, is still there. Incidentally, Elgin Baylor was never being considered to replace Westhead. It was he was <laughs> he was more being considered as Westhead's assistant instead of Pat mm-hmm. Riley. But. I don't think they'll take any liberties with like, I mean, they don't have to. That's the thing that's so great about the Celtics Lakers rivalry is that they actually did play each other a lot. They actually did have this incredible rivalry and these characters really were. Chris, can I interrupt you on that? Of course. In 1980, it was not a rivalry. It was a feud. Because we beat them every single time. <laughs> we go. No, we did. We beat them every time. The Celtics beat the Lakers every time. Hey, in 1980, our rival was the Sixers. Yeah. The Lakers thing it didn't really go to the next level until 84, 85, 87 because they beat us in 85 and then it became a rivalry. So, you know how it goes. <laughs> okay. You, I'm praising you. The Sixers Bill were a rival. so sick. Well, we, we, beat, so we beat the Lakers sick. for the first 40 years of the league. There was a really good... It's, just, uh, it's not a rivalry. A good Moses Malone cameo in this episode of him knocking Westhead into the into the. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that bench. clip would exist from like George Michael's sports machine or, or yeah. something like that. That was... And then Bird... That was another thing where it's just like, don't have Bird th- throw the ball at Spencer Haywood. Like that's... That definitely didn't happen. Well, also the Bird trash talk was written by someone who does not talk a ton of trash on the basketball court because it was like... Larry Bird's trash talk was a paragraph long. Right. <laughs> it was like, that's like a, that would definitely be like a, you'd get trapped and lose the ball if you're like, hey guys, just so you know, I'm going to go to 12 feet, back step yeah. off my left. Yeah. Yeah. He would do that, but like coming out of timeouts, there's a famous story about Xavier McDaniel where he's like, hey, I'm going to get the ball right there and I'm going to shoot over you and we're going to win the game. And then he did it. And they cut to Xavier McDaniel telling the story and he's like, I was just like, Damn. <laughs> but like that's he he did more timeout stuff. I think the under the breast stuff when they're actually playing was more like fuck you, fuck motherfucker. You. Yeah. yeah. Right. Just like I subtle stuff like that. There's, you know, I mentioned the Moses Malone thing. There's a brief Rick Barry uh Oh, shot that was in, fun. In they did a good job with that. They just have so many little things mm-hmm. that I think are so cool. Like the Pat yeah. Riley flashing to his dad as he's like doing his hair and his mustache. Yeah, like there's so many little details in this show that I love so much that I think that I'm almost willing to kind of forgive yeah, for its trespasses, I am even too. though like, its trespasses are getting a little suspect. Well, the Riley thing's a good one because they did a really nice job this episode of showing Riley should actually be the one driving the car. Right? He's right. there's a couple moments <laughs> yeah. when he becomes like the dad versus what you know he's stepping in in a way that. He's laying the laying the breadcrumbs for where this is going to go. 
that mm-hmm. I thought was really intelligent how they did it. And and that makes me look forward to the moment that he does ultimately throw him under the bus and get him the hell up out of there, right? Uh, that like, and and I know the show's gonna play it for. I don't I don't know exactly how it happened in real life, um, because I still haven't read Jeff Perlman's book, but I'm sure the show is gonna be like. Yeah, Pat Riley snaked him, and you know him and Magic Johnson conspired together, and et cetera, et cetera. He didn't. It was really all Magic. I don't think Pat. I think Pat was just kind of the assistant. I don't. I don't think there was a lot of blood on his hands. The Magic. Mm. I mean, we're going down the road, but it was he. He comes in. Magic got hurt the next season, and then the third season, Westhead decides he's on the cover of SI about like how smart of a coach he was at some point during that run. <laughs> And he brings in all these plays to slow it down. He basically kills Showtime to run everything around Kareem. He takes out McKinney stuff to yeah. Yeah, he takes he he's like now we're gonna do it my way, and the team was miserable and Magic was miserable and Magic finally went to bus and asked to be traded. And the next day they fired Westhead, and that was when everything <laughs> turned on Matt. If that had happened now, that would have been the biggest sports story of the year because Magic got booed at home. It was it was kind of really the first modern NBA superstar kind of mm, calling his shots move, moment. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. power move. Exactly. Hey, Bill, I wanted to ask you one of the things that is obviously a, a TV convention that they have to do. This is kind of like in Friday Night Lights where everyone is always listening to sports radio about themselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they didn't really was, have sports radio. Back in real then. life, the only person that actually does that is KD. Yeah. <laughs> right. But uh, as, this, as he's on Twitter. In this show, like the, you know, they have multiple characters listening to the game on the radio. Was that like primarily how if you weren't able to go to the game and if the game wasn't being televised the one time a week it was on? Like, did people listen to the games on radio live as much like that? They 100% did. And Waz, you're going to love this. I listened to the 1981 draft on the radio (laughs) because we had three picks. And I listened to the radio broadcast of it. And I think we took Tracy Jackson and Danny Ainge with our second round picks. But yeah, the radio was way more involved than that tape delay stuff was a real thing. You know, they, they, you would have these. But hold on. Were you, were people in, in uh, East Lansing, Michigan getting Lakers games on the radio though? No, definitely not. I don't think okay, so. Okay, because that's part yeah. that was that was a scene in the freaking show. Magic Mom allegedly listening on the radio from Michigan to every Laker game. Well, the um, last, which was which was I, a cute I don't, moment. I can't imagine that actually. It happened. was a cute moment, but I was like, mm, yeah, I don't think you could do that back then. <laughs> the last scene of the episode is like McKinney is basically like turning off the game film, and Bus walks in, even though Bus was in Boston in the upper deck of the garden like a second ago, and then he walks <laughs> walks into McKinney's. It, there's a little bit of compression there, I but love it. well, especially yeah. McKinney watching these games. The TVs back then were terrible anyway, but then right. you got these <laughs> tiny hospital TVs, and he's far away. Like those characters, everybody's just like a total blur at that point. I'll be interested to see how they handle McKinney because. I remember, um, like he—he he was his brains were definitely not the same after mm-hmm. that accident because he ended up coaching the Pacers, mm-hmm. and uh, it just wasn't the same guy. And yeah, he got like two other coaching jobs. And yeah, just... I, I, they're making it seem like he had his shit together. I don't know how authentic that was after the accident or not. I have no opinion on it, but um, I remember with the Indiana thing, there was basically the feeling that he wasn't wasn't really ever the same mentally. I'll be really fascinated to see how they depict the relationship between Bus and McKinney because without giving anything away that could be in future episodes like in a dramatic way, their relationship 
in it like right now seems incredibly warm on the TV show and and Bus is yeah. like I just believe in this guy and it there's definitely like an element to it that that sours I think a little bit later. Well, in this show like I'm in the why not zone. Like why not have Bus sleep with McKinney's wife? Sure. While while Spencer Hayward does bumps on her back. Like like what what are we what are we doing? I, we ba- we basically take it off the seatbelt with the show, right? Have Bus take her out to dinner and you know, oh, get it goodness. in there. I, I, I'm enjoying... See, like, I would be enjoying this even more if I had caught the Bob Ryan, Jeff Perlman beef in real time. Now I have to go retroactive. Hopefully they didn't delete those tweets. No, they, no those New York, are all there. And the New York Post is memorialized it. I can say... Oh, yeah, the New York Post got into it. <laughs> perfect. I, yeah, no. I, I Look, I'm, I'm not so mad about... Like I said, the genie bus didn't work until the eighties. Like I think it's dope to have genie bus in the show. Like, um, yeah, get getting the timeline sort of confused is like you know it's kind of annoying. But again, I think there's enough bone with the characters, like with Magic and Jerry's relationship, or you know how like Magic and Jerry's relationship, how that affects how Magic is with the rest of his teammates, right? Like you. When you read about the shit in Seattle about Russell Wilson and basically yeah. everybody hating him because he felt like a narc in the company, man, like there's enough like legitimate drama there that we don't gotta do, you know, Jerry West bare ass in a Motel Six. You feel me? <laughs> I like Jerry West bare ass. <laughs> My biggest issue was probably with the uh, depiction of. Um, I guess they they were pretty. Ba- they can be pretty bad, but you know, you think of like the '80s and the great sports sections in Boston. And then you see the, uh, the the pregame press conference and all of the questions about to, hey, Larry, who's going to win the game? And it's like, uh, yeah. could you guys not come up with a better question? <laughs> that's, that's what Bob Ryan was pissed about. Yeah, there's, no way, there's no way there are that many people at a press conference for a random game in 1980. The other thing, now, and maybe they'll do this the last three episodes, but I think there was a life on the road piece that they're missing a little bit. Mm. You know, these guys, mm. back in 1980, they're, you know, they're going through normal airports. They're waiting at gates. They're hanging out with reporters in a real way. I think there could have been a reporter character from the LA Times that yeah. befriended the players and got in there. I thought that we're going to have 25 characters. Maybe would have worked that in. Um, but in general, just like how different their life was in 1980 versus how it is now with charters and cars picking them up and they're not around people at all. That's why I like that scene when they were going through the airport because I think that's what their real life was like. These guys also weren't that famous. They did that, I think it was the first or second episode when they go to the Fish That Save Pittsburgh premiere. And the guys like really aren't big celebrities. Remember? Yeah, like somebody gets out a of a limo. They, them. they were g that, Honestly, that's what the NBA was like. These guys weren't big celebrities. The games weren't on TV that much. And they, you know, the biggest stars in the league weren't that well liked, like Kareem and Rick Barry. So Larry like Bird that. did not have topless uh fans. Like flashing magic at airports. I, I, listen, <laughs> that that one might have been, that I could have actually seen that happen. Boston was pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, they, Boston's pretty crazy back then. But uh, uh, but yeah, so going forward, I I I just hope that we don't go off the rails too much, and I hope that people watching this realize that there there are some liberties I, being taken. There's some liberties being taken, but again, there's some legitimate fun stuff because yeah, magic in these guys. On this show are the first uber-celeb, multi-million dollar athletes, right? Like, they are the first 
of their kind in this gen um in this generation and like the hyper commercialization of the NBA. Like they're the ones who ushered in this freaking era. So like it'll be cool to chart that that rise from like, you know, like only crazy people like Bill and the people right. who really are obsessed with the sport, reading every single magazine and consuming whatever they can, um, know who these guys are to them just being straight up just household names. Yeah, they were way, the guys were way less interesting back then by design. They, right. And that was one of the reasons Magic stuck out so much because he was such a charismatic guy and people really weren't that charismatic. It was like OJ Simpson was charismatic. Um, but Sugar Ray <laughs> Leonard was like charismatic. OJ, man. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> there's only a couple of them. I look, I look forward when I develop the Grantland TV series with Adam McKay and Jeff Perlman. Chris is going to be absolutely off the rails in the yeah. show. There's going to be hookers played and by cocaine. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first time we see Chris, he's just going to be completely naked in a brothel. <laughs> and there's just going to be drugs everywhere. And yeah. That's how we're going to go. I can't wait, Chris. What if we power rank stuff? No one's ever thought of that before. <laughs> Let's power um, rank all the bumps I'm going to do tonight. <laughs> we can uh, we can wrap it up there. Uh, we'll be back probably next week for another episode of this. Yeah, let's go every week the let's rest keep of the way. It. This show's let's great. We got to bring House in at some point for one of these. Cause, cause, for sure. uh, anyway, it was good to see you. Good to see you, Bill. Good to see you, Waz. Uh, thanks to Bobby Wagner for producing us today. Stay tuned to the Prestige TV podcast. We've got tons of stuff this week. Take care. <laughs>